Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. All right, so I am finishing our sermon series today, Seek First, and we are breaking fast today, <laughs> 21 days of prayer and fasting. This has been an incredibly fruitful time for so many of us in this congregation. Someone uh, who was fasting food completely cried this morning when they tasted their first bit of food in 21 days. Um, so yeah, I am... Just go slow. Ease into it. Take a smoothie. Don't don't go, you know, down the road to uh, a buffet and go nuts. But yeah, we had an amazing worship night too on Friday night. Who was there at the worship night? Yeah, it was so good. There was like 250 people there just worshiping. Um, we're going to be doing that monthly and we're just excited to get into the presence of God together. Uh, Michael, we've had so many prophetic words over this church um, for many years about just prayer and worship, and we are passionate, Aaron and I, about pursuing that and pursuing the Lord. Uh, Michael Kulianos uh, prophesied over Duncan and Kate a couple years ago, and he said, build me an altar in Raleigh, and I will come. And so we really believe that. So we're going to be building an altar <laughs> of incense to to God, and we're just excited for the ride. So thanks for being on it. So the title of my message today is The River of Life. We're going to seek the river together this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Ezekiel 47. I'll have it on the screens as well. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me out around the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen up and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. So some background on this. Ezekiel is a prophet and he is prophesying and depicting a vision from chapters, Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48. So we're in the middle of this vision and he's talking about the millennial rule and reign of Jesus Christ here on the earth that has not yet happened, but it's going to happen, right? Ezekiel is a bridge prophet, so he's prophesying things that, um, you know, are happening now and then things that are to come. And so this river that he's talking about, it doesn't exist here on this earth yet, but it is going to exist. Okay. And he's, he's talking about this man who they, 
There's a, a fountain that springs up from the altar in Jerusalem in the temple. And this man is taking him through this river and a thousand cubits measures to be about, I wrote it down here. It measures to be 1,750 feet. Okay. If you were wondering how much that is. So the man takes him and they're in the river and first it's only ankle deep. And then he takes him another 1,750 feet and now it's knee deep. And takes him another 1,750 feet. And now he's waist deep in this river. Until lastly, he takes him another 1,750 feet. And it's over his head. And he's in this river that he cannot cross. It's too big. And you might be wondering, well, what does this mean for me? Why is this relevant to me today? You know, I believe, we believe that this Bible, this scripture is God breathed. It is the spoken word of God and that there, it doesn't matter if it was 5,000 years ago or yesterday, there's still so much relevance for us today in this scripture and in this, um, in this text. And so this morning we're going to unpack a bit of that. Um, and what does it mean for me? So the river that streams from the tabernacle, it begins in the altar and this altar represents God and this river It begins at the altar of Calvary, where Jesus is taken outside of the the walls of Jerusalem, and he's hung on a cross in Calvary, on nailed to this rugged cross. And I can't help think about that verse in John 19, 34, where it says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and blood and water burst forth from his side, from the side of Jesus. This river that we're talking about, this river of life, begins with Jesus Christ. When he was nailed to the cross, when he was pierced in his side, and his blood poured out for us, his water poured out, but also his grace spilled out for us. His mercy spilled out for us. His forgiveness spilled out for us. And this river always begins with God at the the start of this river, at the altar. And... The woman, I think about the woman at Jacob's well, where she comes and she meets Jesus at this well. And he says to her, like, if you only knew who I was, you wouldn't be thirst. You wouldn't be trying to look for a drink anywhere because you would be drinking from me because I am the river of life. I am an everlasting well that will never run dry. And so this river that we are talking about today comes from Jesus, but he is the spring that will never, ever run out. He is the well that will never, ever run dry. He is the living water that we can drink from, that we can taste from, that we can come to and be satisfied, be fulfilled and be washed, cleansed, forgiven in his blood and in his mercy. He's not the God of just enough. He's not the portioned out. Here's a little cup for you. Oh, come to my well. I'm going to fill up your cup. Come back next time. No, he's the God of more than enough. The everlasting well that never runs dry. Amen. (laughs) He's the all sufficient God that never runs out. There's more than enough in the kingdom of heaven. I think so much as Christians, we, we think about things with a scarcity mentality If God's pouring out his spirit at that church down the road, oh, there's not enough for us. No, there's more than enough of God for to go around. If God is blessing someone else, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get blessed. That means that you can reach in and grab that too. And that blessing, if someone's getting healed, you can reach and grab that healing for yourself. 
And when I think about this passage, I think about how Jesus probably thought that people didn't really understand who he was or didn't know who he was and what he was going to do for us, right? Religion teaches us that God is angry with us. He's vengeful. He's upset. He's going to damn us into hell and condemnation forever. And you're like, no, we get that that's not how it is. But do we, do we actually understand that? Because I think the temptation for us when we sin is to run far away from God, not into his arms. It's to hide in our shame and beat ourselves up with the condemnation rather than running to him. But Jesus says, I'm not who religion says I am. I'm not who you thought I was. I am the everlasting God. Come to me and drink all who are thirsty. Come to me for refreshing. Come to me for mercy. Come to me for my grace. There is more than enough to go around. Jesus didn't come to take from us. He came to give us life and life abundantly. Amen? Life and life abundantly. And the river that Ezekiel is talking about is this river of everlasting life. And people look at Christians today and they think it's it's just a bunch of thou shall nots. Thou shall not do this, thou shall not do that. It's a list of rules. Does that check out? You guys think sometimes people are like, I don't want anything to do with that because it's just too much. I have to keep my life in too much line. But the reality is, I think that that is so far from the truth. Christians aren't narrow-sighted or closed-minded. No, you haven't fully lived yet until you've experienced Jesus. You haven't fully lived yet unless you've drank from that well. You haven't fully lived yet unless you've experienced his grace, unless you've experienced his mercy, unless you've experienced his forgiveness. And the highest form of human expression is to know God and make him known. And that is what we are called to do. We're called to drink from the fountain that springs up from that altar of Calvary, from Jesus Christ himself, the living God that flows from his side and never forget the salvation that comes from that. Never forget that. And the river represents the gospel. You know, it starts as a trickle, this river that Ezekiel is talking about. Starts as just a trickle. And then it turns into this flow. And when I think about the gospel and the good news of Jesus, it started as a trickle. It started with one angel coming to one virgin and saying, you are going to have a son and his name is going to be called Emmanuel and he will save this world. And it started as a trickle and then it turned into 12 disciples and they, Jesus begins healing the sick and feeding the multitudes and the river starts to grow a little bit bigger and a little bit wider And then he, all of a sudden, there's thousands of people coming in droves to find Jesus. And then he dies on the cross and he, he's crucified for our sin. And then he's raised to life again. And then all of a sudden, thousands and thousands and thousands of people across this earth are now following after this man called Jesus of Nazareth. And this river that started as a trickle is growing and growing. And for thousands of years, uh, civilizations have been trying to dam up this river, but they have not been able to. Yeah. 
right? The Romans, they would throw the Christians in Colosseums and try to kill them and destroy this river that was flowing. And God's like, my river is only going to flow stronger. And if you think that that river can be dammed up in 2023, then you're wrong. It's not. It's getting stronger. It's getting faster. It's an unstoppable river, an unstoppable movement of his grace and his love and his mercy that will never, ever be stopped, that will never know an end. And the dead, it will flow into the dead and the dry places of our lives. We're going to read again in Ezekiel 47. We're going to go back to that scripture. In verse 7, it says, As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side. And on the other side, he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. Some other translations say the Jordan Valley, but this is a, a desert, a wilderness. And enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. So I'm going to give a little history lesson that I learned as I was preparing for this. But the significance of the East here is that the temples in uh, the Israelites would build their temples to face the East. And the reason why they did this is because the sun would rise in the East. And as it rose, the light would shine into the outer courts. And as the day went on, the sun would shine over the outer courts, the inner courts, and then the sun would set in the Holy of Holies. And to, to the Jewish people, this represented that God was in the West, okay? That the light was always coming from the East and ending in the West where God was. And so as this scripture is saying that the river is flowing to the East, I, I wonder if the river is coming from the West, So it's coming in the direction of God to humanity. Because before Jesus, we were separated by our sin from God. And Jesus came and he broke that separation. And he tore the veil that separated God from man. And now that river is reaching out to humanity, to the east. And then it says it doesn't just stop there in the east. It flows down to that wilderness place, to the desert, and then to the Dead Sea. Now, the significance of this is that Jesus says, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick, right? So his river is, it's, his love is always coming toward, towards us. It's a pursuit kind of love. Psalm 23 verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No matter how far you try to run from the love of God, there is nothing that you can do that will escape his love. There is nothing that will you can do because he is a God who pursues his children. He's a God who's chasing after us and his river and his light is coming towards us and chasing towards us and his mercy meets us where we are. And the Dead Sea, I, I, I discovered that it's the lowest point on planet Earth. Wow. It's 1,410 feet below sea level. And it's so dense in salt. It has such a high salt concentration that nothing can live inside the Dead Sea. There's no animals. There's no fish. There's no algae. There's no bacteria. There's nothing. 
It's dead. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. <laughs> Come on, God, you gonna get creative there? I'm just kidding. The sea is dead. I shall call it the Dead Sea. Um, but this, this vision, Ezekiel is saying, the river is going to spring up from the altar of God out of Jerusalem, flow out of the south gate to the east, through the wilderness, and to the deadest place on earth. And then it says that there will be, in, in the millennial reign, there will be life once again in the Dead Sea. There will be fish and animals again. It'll be teeming with fish once again because the river brings life to the driest, deadest places. And when I think about water, I think about how it's always trying to get to the lowest elevation. It's always going down, 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 down. And there are places in our life that might be so dark and so dry that we don't want anyone to ever see it. Things of our past that we carry into our future because we are just so broken and so lost and we don't know how to get rid of it. And God is saying, my river will reach you. My mercy reaches you where you are. My life will come and touch you in your depression, in your loneliness, in your brokenness. There's nothing that can stop my river from getting to the driest desert places of your life. Hallelujah. And that, that space between Jerusalem to the east of Jerusalem and then between the Dead Sea is this massive desert wilderness. And the river of God is going to flow into the wilderness of our lives. And wilderness can look like a lot of different things in each and every one of us. There was a season in my life where I felt like this was probably like 10 years ago, but I've had, you know, moments of that here and there where I felt like I can't hear God. I'm desperate to hear his voice. And I just, for some reason, I'm just, I'm blocked. And that to me felt like a wilderness. Or maybe you've been crying out for this breakthrough and you haven't seen it happen yet. And that can feel like a wilderness where sometimes the wilderness feels lonely or you feel bitter, like you're just annoyed at everybody and everything, and you're just bitter, and the unforgiveness is just festering. And Jesus is saying, let my river flow into your wilderness. Let my river flow into your Dead Sea. That river can reach your depression. It can reach your disappointment, the places of your life that you don't want anyone else to see. That river can reach to it. Amen? So... Uh, after I graduated high school, I went and lived in Mozambique for six months before I went to, um, off to college at UNC. And I was going to do a, a harvest school of missions, but I went three months early to go and work and just live there in Mozambique. And one of my roommates, a couple months or about a month before school started, she was like, I feel like God is calling us to do a three day fast. And I was like, three days? Oh my gosh. Like no food? Three days? And um, I had never like fasted longer than a, than a day or like a meal. And she was like uh, an eye hopper. She was used to fasting all the time. And I was like, okay, this is a stretch for me, but okay, I will, I will pray about it. And anyways, so I ended up doing it. And in Mozambique, it was 113 degrees. And it was like 
you know, 85% humidity or something ridiculous. There's no air conditioning. It's boiling hot. And where I was living was about a mile walk to where I needed to go and work. So I had to walk a mile to work. And then once I was there, I would then take a bunch of kids that were living on the base and I would walk them a mile down the ocean and teach swim lessons to them in the Indian Ocean. It was gorgeous, beautiful. And then I would walk, teach lessons for about two hours and then I would walk back to the base, drop them off, and then walk another mile home. So I was walking a lot in this heat. And if you're not eating and you're only drinking water, you can get really weak, right? And I said to, I was like, God, if I'm going to do this fast, I need you to sustain me. And about day one and a half, she's like, I feel like God's calling us to do seven days. I was like, seven? Okay. Uh, all right. Let's, let's do seven days. Okay, God, I need your grace. Day three, I feel like God's calling me to a 21-day fast. I think you should pray about it, Jess, and join me. I was like, 21 days? I cannot do 21 days. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I said to her, I was like, I will only do 21 days if fast will break the day harvest school starts. Because I don't want to get there. I don't want all these students coming in that I want to meet. And they're all having dinner together and communing. And I'm just fasting. And I'm like alone and away. And so... Of course, I get out my calendar. The day, 21 days, break fast is the day school starts. And I was like, God, okay, I hear you. I'm listening. And so as we did this fast, there was incredible grace for this fast. And we would spend hours in the presence of God, worshiping, reading the scriptures, learning, diving deep into them. And the cry of my heart for those 21 days is, God, I want to see you face to face, God. I want to have visions. I've never had visions, God. I want to have dreams. And I was just pressing in for that supernatural encounter where you, you know, you're taken up into a vision and you see God face to face. And I'm crying out. I'm like, I want to be like Moses, God. I want to see your face. And so we break fast. And that night we had our first class meeting, like, you know, gathering. And this woman came and she was speaking about being rivers of living water to the earth around us, to the, the thirsty and the, all of that. And she does this, uh, altar call and I come forward and I'm just like laying there and I'm crying out to God and all of a sudden, boom, I'm taken up into a vision. And in the natural, I thought I was like, it lasted maybe 10 minutes, but when I came to, my hair was stuck in a microphone stand. Everyone had left the building and it was like three hours later. And I was just like a puddle, like a wreck. And I like stood up and I was like, what just happened? Like, have you ever had those encounters with God where you're like, I've just been floored. Like there's nothing. I can't move. I can't do anything. And that was it for me. And Jesus, I was taken into this vision and I was in the, th- the throne room of heaven And I saw, there was lots of stuff that happened in the vision, but I'll just share with you a quick portion. I saw Jesus walking towards me and he was wearing this robe and it was white and there was lots of light kind of shining everywhere. And as he started walking, he, his robe, it would change from gold to white to gold to white. My son's wearing one of those shirts where it's like sequins and you, you move it up one direction. It shows a different character. You move it down, you know, it was kind of like that. And Jesus came and he stood in front of me and he just held out his arms like this to me and I saw his scars and his wrists and he 
gently grabbed my hand and he ran my hand over his scars. And I'm just weeping and weeping in this vision as I'm face to face with Jesus. And then he walks away like this. And I see the father on his throne, like a bit far off. But I see this river flowing from this throne. And Jesus gets down like this. And he just begins to go like this and drink. And then he turns around and he's like, come. And I come and I join him and he looks at me and he says, this is my river of life. Anytime you're weary, anytime you're thirsty, anytime you're broken and you're dry, come to this place with me and we'll drink together. And oh my gosh, I just began to cry and I'm drinking and I'm drinking. And for, and then I woke up after there was other things that happened and I woke up and for like four years after that, anytime someone said, close your eyes and picture Jesus, I would picture that moment and I would just sob and sob and sob because that moment changed me. It was one of those moments where Jesus, like he took me to my own kind of Eden, my own garden with him, where he said, this is our place where you can come and drink anytime. Did you guys know there's a river that you can come and get refreshing from anytime you want, anytime you need? That's how good God is, is that he's created a place for us to find refreshing in him. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 139, verse 6. It says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not too dark for you. The night is as bright as the day. The darkness is as light with you. The river is rising in this place to restore relationships, to restore marriages, to bring health, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring strength to the weary soul, to wash our past as white as snow. We cannot resist the flow of this river. You know, whitewater rafters, they're taught, so I've heard, never done it, would love to, They're taught that if they fall out of the raft, they're not to stand up and try and fight the river. They're not to try and fight and get back because if they do, their foot, their ankles will probably roll underneath them. They'll break their ankle. They'll get stuck under a rock. They might hit their heads, whatever it is. They're told to lay back and let the current take you. You're wearing a helmet, right? (laughs) To lay back and let the current take you until it slows down. And there are some of us in this room where the river is coming, but we're resisting that river. We're resisting it. We're like, no, I want to control my life, God. Stop it. Stop telling me what to do, God. Stop telling me where to go. And we're resisting. And God is saying, let my river take you. All you have to do in the river of God is do this. Everyone do this. Turn to your friend and say, don't resist the river. Don't resist the river. 
So when we're living in a dry place, we, we can live in a dry attitude, a dry mindset, bitterness, unforgiveness, annoyance, all of those nasty things that creep in when we live in that dry place. But the river's purpose in Ezekiel 47 is to bring life to everything it touches. And I'm tired of seeing grumpy Christians. Come on. If the world looks at you and you're grumpy, they're like, I don't want anything of Jesus if that's what he looks like. I don't. And that's the truth. And you're like, everyone's laughing because it's funny, but it's true. Like sometimes we got to slap ourselves and say, don't be a grumpy Christian. I have this phrase for like, you know, those people where they just bring like an atmosphere of like, it's like an Eeyore, you know, Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. He's just always sad. There's a rain cloud and there's rain. And it's like, I understand that we go through hard things. Trust me. I'm not a stranger to grief and despair. There are moments in my life where I am like, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going. I do have those moments. We all have those moments. But it's whether we choose to stay in that place or we choose to say, God, I'm going to jump in this river and I'm going to find joy and I'm going to find grace and I'm going to find mercy and forgiveness in you. The gospel transforms lives and attitudes and the ways of thinking. And if it's not, then check yourself, check your heart. And say, do I really have a full revelation of Jesus Christ on the inside of me? And challenge yourself. Because it's not, the Christian walk is not supposed to look like that. There's supposed to be joy. We, we are called to turn the tide. Where people have spoken death, we're supposed to speak life. Where the world is anxious, we're supposed to be full of faith and courage. We named our son Valor because we felt like as we were stepping into this season of being lead pastors and you have all those fears of, will people accept us? Will people want to follow us? Will, you know, our blah, 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 blah. Do I have what it takes to preach every week? Do I have the, the stuff, the whatever? And God was like, be a person of valor, be a person of courage and bravery And his middle name is constant, which means steadfast, the steadfast courage of heaven that comes and fills us in our walk with God. Amen. We're called to turn the tide, the current, it removes burdens and barriers from our life. When you think about a river that's been dry, where there hasn't been a flood in it for a while, you start to see trees like dead branches climbing up, right? You see roots and you see jagged edges and rocks and It's just like they're on the bank. But when the river comes in, all of that stuff gets washed away. It gets taken down the river. And in your life, there might be some of those things. There might be jagged edges and rocks and barriers to break through and burdens and all of that. And when the river rushes through, it comes and it takes all of those things and removes them. Takes the the burdens from our hearts and washes them away as we lay back in the river. His river wants to come and bring life and rejuvenate those, li- those things in our life that we thought were dead and bring them back to life. Just as, just as Ezekiel says that the, the dead sea will be teeming with fish and life, that's what Jesus wants to do to our dead seas. 
the places that we thought were dead, the, that we thought were forgotten, that we've given up on. Jesus wants to come and bring life and restore life to those dry, dead places of our lives. Exactly, overflow. And this is an, it's, as I think about that river rushing and taking all that stuff, it's an imagery of death being swallowed up by Jesus on that cross. Amen. Amen. So as we end, you know, there's, I feel like there's four different places that some of us in this room may be in. The first place is you might be standing on the riverbank and you're looking down at this river and you're looking down at what God is doing and you might know about God or of God, but he's a stranger to you. You haven't gotten in the river yet. And then there's some of you in this room who you might be just ankle deep. You know, you've, you've tested the waters, you've come in, you're ankle deep, but you're not ready yet to give up control of your life. You're not ready yet to surrender. And this is a big step from the bank. It really is. And you're, you're testing it out. But your worship might be governed by your circumstances. And when you'll praise God when things are going good, but when they're not, you're out. You're back up on the bank. And then there's some of us in this room who we're, we're waist deep. We're knee deep, waist deep, where we're kind of half in the river. We, we got our church friends, got our church lingo, got our church stuff. But there's this part of my life that's not crucified yet. There's this sin in my life that I'm okay with still, and I don't want to give that up. I'm here, I'm worshiping God, but I'm still living with my boyfriend. <laughs> and then there's some of us where we're all in, or we want to be all in. We want that river to submerge our, our lives. We want that river to take over our lives and our situations. And wherever you feel like you're at today, that river wants to come, and it's starting as a trickle. But before you know it, you're going to be consumed by an ocean of grace and a river full of mercy. And all we have to do is lay back and let that river take us. Let the river trickle down to the deep places of our lives that we don't want anyone to see. Let that life come and restore the broken, empty, dry places in us. And remember that it springs up from our Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to stand right now. And we're going to close our eyes for a moment. Oh, I want us to picture Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful Jesus. Standing in front of you. He's close. He's near. Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to just ask yourself, where am I in this river? Maybe you were fully in the river and then life has gotten busy, life has gotten hard and you just step back a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that there is so much grace and so much mercy and so much love 
to be found in you. Thank you that it doesn't... It doesn't matter where we are in the river. It doesn't stop the fact that you are pursuing us, that your river is flowing towards us. I ask that this morning we would drink from the river of life. We would drink from you, Jesus, the everlasting well that never runs dry, that never runs out. And I pray for every weary soul in this place, Lord. Would you come and bring your refreshing? Would you come and restore and bring life to the dead places of our souls, of our spirits, Lord, where we're tired, we're burnt out. We've been busy and we're tired, Lord. Would you come and bring your refreshing? Would you come and bring your direction, Lord, where we feel like we haven't been able to hear you speaking? Would you come and speak once again, Lord? Thank you that you've never left. You've never forsaken. You're always pursuing. And would you come and chase after us this morning? Would you let the river flow? Let it flow. Just begin to allow that river to flow over you. Just drink it in. Just watch yourself just standing there. Just as Ezekiel was taken by the man a little bit further and a little bit further until he was in a river he couldn't cross. Just watch God in the spirit just take you deeper and deeper into the depths of his heart and his love. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite up our ministry team here to the front. If there's anyone in this room that needs prayer, if you've been feeling like you've been in that wilderness or you're like, I'm that dead sea. We want to invite you to come or you need healing in your body, whatever it is. We have an amazing team that's been wonderfully trained. They are safe people that you can come and you can get prayer from. And we just invite you to come forward and just receive. And if you, one of our friends this week, we were talking with and praying with, and she's going through a really, really hard time in her life with a lot of trauma. And we just said, you need carpet time. You need time with God where your face is in that floor and you're crying out to him and you're encountering him. And if you feel like you need that refreshing, I just want to invite you boldly to come forward and come and receive. You don't need to come up to someone. If you don't want to, you can come and just lay at the floor. But there is, there's a room for encounter this morning, fresh encounter with the living God. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.